What is up, plant people? Today is Tuesday, October 27th, 2020, and we're back with another episode of the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives, careers, and ambitions of some really, really, really cool plant people. I'm your host, Vikram Baliga, and I'm so darn excited to be with you today. Uh, Y'all, this is an episode I have been waiting for uh, ever since this show started almost a year ago. We're just nine days away from Planthropology's first birthday on November 5th. But the whole point of the show is the anthropological connection to plants and to the environment. So today I have archaeobotanists on the show, and that's literally what they study. That is their thing. And I didn't just get one, I got three of them. So I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a second. But first, I want to talk about something cool that's happening. Um, There are, you know, award shows for movies and television and music and all that. And now there are online awards for podcasts. I mean, it's been going on for a while, but I'm still new to this whole thing. So I'm just finding out about it. But the Discover Pods Awards are coming up. And three of my great, close, wonderful podcast friends have been nominated in different categories. I'm just so excited, so excited for them. So uh, I want you to go and look at the Varmints and Just the Zoo of Us podcast, which are both great, wonderful animal shows. uh, And they're both in the Kids and Family podcast podcast category. Uh, it's, I don't know how you choose between the two of them. I think I'm just not going to because I can't. Uh, and then I'm just going to encourage you folks to go vote in my place. And also the Petri Dish podcast is in the technology and science podcast category and uh, with some really great other shows. But I want to encourage you to go vote for uh, a Petri Dish and um, uh, Varmints and Just the Zoo of Us. And I've included trailers for all three of those shows at the end of today's episode. Um, so go check out those shows. Even if you don't go vote, um, the link will be in the Uh, show notes. But even if you don't go vote, go listen to their shows, go follow these folks on Twitter and on social media. They're, they're wonderful. They're really wonderful. They're dear friends that I've made and I'm so grateful for them. And I'm so excited for them to all be nominated. Um, other housekeeping, uh, like I said, it's almost the show's birthday. So a great birthday present would be a rating and review on iTunes or Podchaser or Castbox or anywhere else that you can leave one. Uh, I would be much I would much appreciate that. I would be super grateful. Uh, also go follow us on social media, uh, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, uh, Instagram. It's Planthropology on Twitter. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, and I am at the Plant Prof on TikTok, where I make ridiculous plant fact videos and other things like that. Um, okay, I'm just gonna jump into it. I, I'm I'm beside myself with how excited I am about today's episode. Uh, again, this kind of drill drills home the point of why I'm doing the show, uh, and and talks about our long term anthropological connection to nature and to the environment. And uh, so I had reached out to someone on Twitter a while back to see if they might be interested. And they said, well, uh, no, I'm not. Uh, But 
I have a professor and a couple of colleagues that might be. So thank you, Angelo, for um, uh, pointing me in their direction. Also, go check out Angelo's podcast, Sample Excavator. It's really great. If you love music, you will love the show. Also, he makes atlatls. So how cool is that? He was on an episode of the Ologies podcast, and that was a great, really fun one. But I got to interview uh, Dr. Alan Farahani, Lydia Wolf, and Carlos Romo Caballero, uh, a couple of weeks ago, about um, archaeobotany, about planthropology. Man, I again, can you tell I'm excited? I'm really excited. Uh, but it, it, we talked for so long, and I felt kind of bad that I kept him that long, but I just had more questions and more questions. So this is actually a two-parter. So you'll get uh, some of the basics about archaeobotany. You'll get everyone's introductions today. And then this Friday, I'm, also, I'm actually going to drop part two. It'll go into a little more detail about what they actually do, some of the things they found, and all the different research they work in. They were wonderful to talk to. They were so much fun. And I think it's the first time I've actually had uh, undergrads on the show. So it was really a cool dynamic uh, to talk to this professor, uh, Dr. Farahani, and uh, two undergrads that work for him. So uh, Alan, Lydia, Carlos, thank you so much for being on with me. Um, this is, I can't think of a, a better way to start wrapping up this first year. So again, we'll have part one today, part two on Friday, and then our last episode of year one, right before our birthday, will be with a special guest who you've heard before, and that's also a really fun episode. So anyway, get your archaeological tools, your shovels, your picks, and your tiny brushes, and get ready for episode 32 of the Planthropology Podcast with Dr. Alan Farahani, Lydia Wolf and Carlos Romo Caballero. All right, well, we are up and running and uh, back for another episode of Planthropology. And this is this is an episode that I've been like posting on Twitter about for a few weeks and uh, something I've been really excited about. So... Um, from the time this show started, I, you know, the goal has been, um, to talk about the human connection to the environment in a, in a modern and in a historical context. And so, uh, I have wanted to interview, uh, an archaeobotanist or paleoethnobotanist, and we'll talk about which one of those is right and how badly I probably normally butcher it, uh, as we go. But it turns out I got three. And I'm very excited. So um, with us today, we have uh, Alan, Lydia, and Carlos, who are um, a professor in um, archaeobotany and, and two students. And uh, y'all, I'm, I'm so excited to have y'all with us today. How are y'all doing? Doing pretty good. Great. Yeah, can't complain. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, so I guess I'll let y'all, we'll start off and I'll just let y'all introduce yourselves a little bit more. So uh, Alan, if you want to go first, um, we can jump in there and just kind of go around. Sure. Uh, first, I want to say thanks for inviting us on the show, Vikram. We're really excited to be here and really excited to talk about uh, not just our research, but the field in general. Really appreciate the time that you've set aside for this. Um, sure. Uh, this very specific kind of nerdy plant time, which is wonderful. <laughs> um, so, uh, in any case, a little bit about myself and we can talk, um, more about that, I guess, as time goes on. 
Right now, I'm an assistant professor at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, in the Department of Anthropology. Uh, I'm an archaeologist by training, and my area of expertise, as you noted, is archaeobotany or paleoethnobotany, and also um, data analysis and visualization with um, contemporary computational tools. Uh, so that is my story for now. Okay. <laughs> that's it, it. You know what? That's actually quite the impressive story, even just so far. So I'm, I'm looking forward to drilling into that a little more. Uh, all right. Who wants to go next? I can. Okay, great. Uh, so I'm a student at UNLV. I've been um, attending there for, I guess, now like three years. I transferred in from another university in Utah, actually, Weber State. Um. I'm majoring in anthropology and I'm getting another major in biology at the same time. So, wow, so you're, you're staying busy. Yeah, definitely yeah. busy. Do you, do you sleep? Sometimes, sometimes, you know, okay. I have yeah. To, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all have that. That's, you know, eventually everyone sleeps. It's just how long do you go between those, those sleep times? Um, Lydia, how about you? Um, I'm also an anthropology major. I've been going there at UNLV for approximately four years. Uh, well, I don't know if it's four years, but since 2017 fall. Okay. And uh, I changed my minor a couple of times, and I was wanting to do a minor in biology, but I didn't want to stay at UNLV for so long. So now I'm not minoring in anything. So, yeah. Okay, so you're almost done then, probably, yeah. maybe. Okay. Yeah, next yeah. fall I'll be done. Okay. I know that feeling of like being like in your fourth year and just, it, it feels like it's 10 years long. And I, so I, I understand where y'all are right now for sure. I did. I've done a lot of school and I know how that goes. Um, so let's, I think let's start off with the basics of what y'all study. And, you know, archeology, span I think is a term that uh, and anthropology probably even are terms that people are familiar with, but uh, archaeobotany is kind of a, an interesting subset of these studies. Can you kind of give us just an overview of what that means and what what y'all do at a you know overview level? Sure, that is a that is the million dollar question. The question is, how much time do you have? <laughs> as much as you need. Let's take four episodes to unpack this. <laughs> Uh, the br so the briefest version I can give of that right now is um, also segues into something I should have said earlier, which is I am also the director of uh, the Paleoethnobotany and Ancient Agriculture Laboratory, um, and I'll touch upon what that means. So uh, th the subdiscipline, as you mentioned, well, let let's start with Anthropology itself is a really big tent. It includes uh, a four, in North America in particular, includes four distinct subfields, uh, all with their sort of own emphasis, but that are all interrelated and need each other. So that's linguistic anthropology, biological anthropology, sociocultural anthropology, and then archaeology. Within archaeology, uh, you know, archaeologists being broadly interested in researching the human past use any technique um, that is available. So there's a really wonderful um, recent book on the philosophy of historical science in which the author calls historical scientists like geologists, archaeologists, so on and so forth, methodological omnivores. <laughs> and I, I think that characterizes us uh, as archaeologists very much because 
anything that we're interested in the present, uh, we'll, we'll try to find the tools to, to study that in the past. And so that could be something like ancient metals or a kinship system, or in our case, uh, archaeological plant remains. So the focus of the research of the lab uh, of uh, is on the analysis of archaeological plant remains. And when we get to it, we'll talk about, well, the, the other really big question is, how do you find them? What do they look like, right? That, yeah. That's not something that many people think of when they think of archaeology, you know, I, I won't I won't say the the IJ phrase or movie series, but the, the, there's just a the, the, there's a very strong uh, sort of image that's imprinted in people's minds. Um, but yes, so uh, as you alluded to, and the the really the most succinct version I can give of what these two terms mean. And it's really great that it dovetails so well with the name of uh, your really wonderful podcast series is that archaeobotany, strictly speaking, is just the analysis of archaeological plant remains. So that means looking at their shape, looking at how they preserve, the really fine-grained, nitty-gritty details of botanical identification. So uh, in, in its strictest sense. Now, the other term that's frequently used, mainly in a North American setting, although the two terms are really interchangeable, is paleoethnobotany. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, the emphasis is on the ethnobotany, which is how people use plants. So in that definition, um, your the interest there is really anthropological. It's asking, okay, you know, we've collected these archaeological plant remains, um, but how do how does this tell us something about people in the past? So in the paleoethnobotany definition, the end of the analysis, the object of the analysis is understanding uh, what people do with plants and how plants enter into and, and structure their lives. So it's a little bit different. Well, yeah, that's but that's so fast. So just, just to... So you're saying you rarely have to run from giant boulders? Like that's not that's not part of your job description? You know, unfortunately, I cannot say that that is not true. I, I don't want to say rarely, but I have been on field sites where there have been some pretty big stones rolling around. Usually people throwing them around, unfortunately. But. Cardio is important, you know, just, yeah. just regardless. Absolutely, um, absolutely. That pick won't swing itself. <laughs> no, that's that's pretty interesting, though. And I think that, again, th- those basic things you mentioned were um, – are big parts of why I was so excited to have you all on. And um, so I'd like to hear a little bit uh, from, from the students, uh, from Carlos and Lydia. How did you, how did you end up studying this? What, uh, what motivated you to want to get into anthropology and, and, and more specifically this subset of anthropology? Um, well, I'll have to mention the forbidden movie because that's the, the one that inspired me when I was like seven or eight years old. That one in the, was that The Mummy with Brendan Fraser? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a solid movie. I, I like The Mummy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, those inspired me a lot, actually, when I was a kid to um, kind of pursue archaeology because, well, I didn't know what it was. I thought it was more like the Indiana Jones version, right? Running for things <laughs> with the whip and whatnot. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but as I 
progressed in my studies and finally the time it came to apply for college, I said, well, why not? You know, and it turns out archaeology is nothing like what Hollywood portrayed it as. <laughs> that, you know, yeah. that comes up a lot. That comes up a lot. Yeah, but it's still actually really interesting. Um, I got into archaeobotany um, through a friend of mine, actually. Um, I'm blinking on her name right now. That's another bad thing about me. I blink on people's names all the time. <laughs> Anyways, I followed her into the lab, and it was initially just to see what archaeobotany was or paleoethnobotany, because I'd never heard of it before. I didn't even know you could learn anything about ancient cultures through plants. And it's been a a learning opportunity for me as much as like a me contributing anything for research. Sure. Well, and sure. Yeah. And it, and it, at this phase in your, you know, career, academic career and just life, I mean, th- that that's how it should be, right? It should be a great learning opportunity and a, and a opportunity for you to get to ask those questions that maybe somewhere down the road, if you pursue it farther, you'll get to spend take a bigger part in answering. Um, I think that that's a big, for me, my undergrad was a, that was a big part of it um, of, of yes, getting information, but generating questions that led me farther through my career. And so I thought that was, uh, you know, that, that's a pretty good, um, that, that's a pretty good introduction to in, into how to treat this phase uh, in your life, and and we'll kind of put a pin in that, and probably come back to it a little bit. But uh, Lydia, how about you? Did you, how did you get into all this? So as a kid, I would always—I don't know if you guys know about it—but Destination Truth, the Josh Gates. I would always like yes. be like watching that on Sci-Fi at like nine o'clock at night, as like seven or eight years old. My parents would be like, "You need to go to bed." I'm like, "I want to—I really <laughs> want to stay up and watch this, though." But then, uh, like as life went on, I kind of forgot about archaeology. And I wanted to be in biology and I wanted to be like a, what is it? A dental, oral surgeon. But then UNLV put me into unexplored. So I was exploring majors and uh, because of math scores and SAT scores. So that's how I ended up here. And I was, I ended up exploring majors. I found out about anthropology and I was like, okay, this is actually pretty cool. I think I'll declare this as my major. And, uh, I think it was like my third semester in. I was in Anth 105 with uh, Dr. Liam Frank. And his class, he has so much energy. He was just so enthusiastic about it. And I was like, you know, I think I'll look more into it and see what else there is to offer. And uh, he introduced us to field schools. And I got introduced to Dr. Hari. And I went to the Shivwitz Field School uh, in the Shivwitz Plateau. It's right by the Grand Canyon. And that's where like my whole love for anthropology and archaeology kind of bloomed. And when I came back from the field school, I was like trying to find something to combine my passion for plants and archaeology. And that's how I kind of came into macrobotany. No, that's it. I think what's so interesting about hearing some of these stories and, and I like that y'all brought up our, uh, you know, pop culture mm. um, perception of science in general, mm-hmm. science and study in general. Uh, I, you know, I'm a horticulturist, I'm a botanist, and and uh, I think the one that people think about these days are, uh, you know, the Martian, like going to right. Mars and right. having to grow potatoes. I've never had to grow potatoes on another planet. Um, but not yet. not yet, there's there's still time. <laughs> I'm still youngish. <laughs> uh, but 
No, I, but I think it's interesting that e- even pop culture that gets it wrong mm-hmm. or that, that gets most of it wrong is such a great gateway uh, mm-hmm. into science. And so even telling little parts of the story, uh, you know, getting people excited is so important, which uh, which is one of the reasons I'm I'm doing this show in general. It's just mm. another way to tell the story of different scientists and different fields uh, in a realm that some people don't think is terribly exciting. Um, and and I say that as a plant nerd, right? People are like, "Oh, they're just plants, whatever." You know, I don't, oh, I don't, no. all the, oh, all the time, all the time. And uh, they're like, "I don't care about agriculture. I don't care about plants, whatever." And I'm like, no, 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 you're missing so much of the story. It's so important that we understand these things. And so like, this is great ways to fill in little pieces of the puzzle for, uh, for folks to get excited about all kinds of different fields and all kinds of different sciences. Um, so, uh, Alan, what, you know, you're, you're, you said an assistant professor, so you have done quite a bit of school and writing and (laughs) researching and all kinds of things to uh, get to where you are. And, you know, in talking to undergrads, uh, sometimes they look at a professor and they're just like, oh, you're just a professor and you're here. Mm -hmm. And I know that I I get that a lot from my students sometimes. It's like, oh, you just, I don't know, they, you know, they made you in a lab and you showed up as, as uh, professor, whatever, and uh, professor right. or Dr. Baliga or whatever they remember, think right, of to call right. me that day. Um, what, what, what was your path to get here? What did you study uh, going through school? Oh man. Well, yeah. Another four episodes have been added to this. <laughs> um, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I, I do want to say it, that's also a really good point. You know, all of our sort of shared humanity and that that's kind of the anthropological uh, side of things is like you said, you know, we're all still people and we all still are going grocery shopping and uh, all still have interests and crazy winding paths that brought us here. And it's, uh, I think it's really important for, for folks to know that too. Like we also do, some of us consume certain TV shows and, you know, uh, spend time on Netflix that maybe we shouldn't be spending time on, <laughs> maybe on other things. Um, but as for your question, the the shortest answer I could give there again is stereotypically, and I told another group this recently, when I was a kid, I was totally infatuated with dinosaurs. And, and I don't mean that in like the typical six-year-old little boy sense, <laughs> like the kind that my parents didn't want to bring me to other people's houses because they knew I was just going to be going on and on about some dinosaur and they would just be totally mortified that their kid would just not stop talking about, oh, but this dinosaur and that dinosaur. Um, so I actually took that passion for paleontology forward. And when I was in high school, I, I volunteered uh, at a natural history museum when I was in Philadelphia. There were some qu- crazy twists and turns uh, in my life. And I, I actually majored in linguistics uh in college um and so uh but i was also taking sort of other classes on the side that were my interest in uh archaeology because i was just that part of me that love and interest in the past the fact that we could know anything about the past at all the fact that we knew about these like dinosaurs was amazing the fact as i came to learn like wow we could know about people 
you know, 200,000 years ago, 100,000 years ago, and literally look at and touch the things that they made and have this really close connection that people, um, and, and, you know, people as people really just blew my mind. Uh, and so for graduate school, I finally decided, I said, you know, I have, I have this choice between linguistics, which I ended up also really loving, um, and archaeology. Um, and then I said, you know what, I really also like being outside and working outside. Uh, and uh, so I ended up choosing archaeology. At, still at this point, I was not on the plant path. And so it actually wasn't until a course that I took uh, at that time with doctors Christine Hasdorf and Patrick Kirch. And uh, Christine Hasdorf would ultimately become uh, one of my co-advisors and is a paleoethnobotanist herself who works in the Andes. They taught this class on environmental archaeology, a combination that I didn't even know was possible uh, or existed. And I feel bad for everybody in that course because as a very young graduate student, <laughs> I think I was leaning 45 degrees constantly <laughs> in my chair. I was just so mesmerized by what they were saying. I, I, you know, I didn't even know that you could study s soils in the past in this way, you know, uh, or... Uh, plants or animal remains, all of these things. I, I knew about it, but I didn't realize, you know, the kinds of questions that we could ask and that we could answer, um, the kinds of things that we could learn about people. So it was from pretty, pretty much that moment on that uh, it pushed me forward. But unfortunately, stereotypically, I shouldn't say unfortunately, to all the paleontologists who are listening out there <laughs> and paleobiologists, I'm still... I'm still reading journal articles on paleontology and paleobiology. So it all started there. Uh, and then it, it ended with plants, which I, I could talk about uh, much more. But that, that's pretty much the gist of it. Okay. Yeah. It, again, and, and I, I've said this on multiple episodes of the show, but it's, it is never a straight line. We are, yeah. Life is never a straight line. And, and I think that those are the most interesting stories. And I think that's such a good message <laughs> Again, send to all of our, not just students, but people who are just trying to find their way through life is mm -hmm. that, listen, follow those twists and turns. There's, there's no problem with having a diverse career or mm -hmm. uh, a diverse life in your path to get to wherever you want to go. And, you know, I, I ran a landscape company for about two years and mm -hmm. like I made a living like digging holes and moving rocks in you know, 110 degree weather. Nice. And like that taught me, Oh, you know, I should go get a PhD. <laughs> I should go back to school. And, uh, uh, it was after I'd finished my master's, I couldn't find another job. And my mm. undergrad is actually in landscape design. So I was like, Oh, I could, I can do this. You know, that's something I can do. Mm. But looking back now, I realize all the practical skills I learned in, exactly. uh, contacts and like meeting people and like uh, the the business part of my life and and so I think it's just really cool to, to hear about um, people's journeys again I think that's yeah that's ultimately the point of what we're doing here is just to tell people's journeys in the story and I, I love that um so okay I, I, let's get into some of the um I don't want to say details or, or minutia but into some of the content of the I have I, I'm trying to, I'll, I'll just, I'll say this and I'm going to leave this part in <laughs> because people know that I'm always in a million places. Uh, I have like a thousand questions I want to ask you and I'm yes. trying to limit myself 
to like not make this eight hours long. You know, I know that <laughs> we all have lives and things we need to do. So sure. uh, this will probably end up being two episodes. Just I'm going to throw that out there now. Um, so, okay. Th- for all of you, and I know that again, it's one of these, uh, what, how much time do we have kind of things probably, mm-hmm. but what, what are some of the most interesting things uh, to you? This at this point in your career, wherever you are, what are some of the more interesting things you've learned through studying in this field? Uh, if you had to narrow it, narrow it down to one or two things that really jump, I know, I know, you can't. I know y'all out there can't see what we're doing, but everyone's eyes just got real big. Like, oh my god, how am I supposed to do this? Um, but if if you were talking to, let me put it this way. Let me rephrase the question. If you were giving a talk about what you do to, a, a, say, a group of high school students that were maybe kind of interested in, uh, you know, archaeology or interested in learning about your science, what are like two things that you think you could tell them um, that that you're excited about that might get them excited about it too? Um. Wow, that's a biggie. I like to throw easy questions at people, you know, just to, Um, yeah. (laughs) I think the major one is, and this this was surprising to me because, I mean, I kind of took it for granted. It was in the background. I wasn't really aware of it. But it's just how much of the world that surrounds us, even now, is constructed in some way by us humans. Hmm. And we're not, we we probably don't even realize it. um, But this is, this is kind of like what we're looking in paleoethnobotany, the plants, the weeds that grow on the sidewalk and stuff like that. And that's what's get left behind in the archaeological record. And it's pretty interesting to see that. Yeah, that's a fascinating way to look at that, for sure. That like e- even the weeds in the sidewalk tell a story about our society. That's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That and blew my mind when I first learned that. It is kind of mind blowing. And to kind of piggyback off of what Carlos said, uh, for me personally, because when I first started out analyzing the the dirt samples, I had no idea what I was looking at. And I, I would always like be like, is this a pebble or is this a seed? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, Alan, what is this? Or Carlos, what is this? And then eventually I found out, like if you take like a look at the grander picture, like because personally, like, you look at the grander picture, but you don't really look at the details in life. But uh, when you start to look at the details, like for the seeds, you can see where the embryo is and you can decipher if it is a seed or if it's a pebble. So that's what I found really exciting. And then I can I, I, I can also apply that to like my academic life as well. Just like not uh, taking like everything in all at once, but like taking like one mm-hmm. thing in at a time. So it's like just taking a step back and slowing things down. Yeah, those are... Those are great points. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like the the lab director needs to have more input there, Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> he, sounds, uh, yeah. They helped out um, a lot. They helped yeah. out so much though. <laughs> That's good. Glad to hear it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and and for my part, I guess the thing that I t- try to emphasize is the the so two parts, and, and one of those was in actually, Vic, one of the your prompts. So one of them I already said, you know, I, I tried to emphasize, like, if I if I am talking to high schoolers and I have before, I usually bring an object with me that's old, old and old in some sense. And mm-hmm. 
I bring it and show it to, to folks and I say like, look at this, like this is, this was made by somebody, right? Like somebody like you and me, um, who sat there and took the time and was probably chatting with people and with their hands, you know, that they, they fashioned this object and, you know, like, what were they thinking? You know, what were they talking about? How were they feeling? What was, what, where were they standing? Was it a cold day? Was it a hot day? Um, and, and s- so relating it in that way, because a lot of the, you know, the other contemporary sciences, like you said, you're like you're going out there, you're, you're moving rocks or landscaping, but that's today. So you can actually feel and immerse yourself in that environment today. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, you know, we have to engage in so much imagination is so critical to, to what we're doing. And then the other thing that, that I would tell them all is, um, you know, it seems so remote, right? And, and typically when we talk about things that are related to the past and people in the past, it's the ancients and the people in the past. But we ourselves are their direct descendants. We have to be biologically, right? Yeah. Th- there, there is no way around that. Like through our parents and their parents' parents and their parents' parents, there is an unbroken genetic line between us and uh, the very first humans who have walked on the earth. Yeah. So we are them and they are us in a, in a really real sense. I mean, obviously there's, there, there are sort of changes that have happened, evolution that's been sure. happening over these, yeah. these 200,000 years, but in a, in a very sort of concrete way, um, we, we are them and they are us. And uh, I think, you know, emphasizing that saying like, isn't it amazing that we can, uh, see that story that we can tell that story um, and uh, understand uh, our our past in that way that it's not just oh the, those the the that different group of people the ancients who did things differently well yeah that's that's us and uh, <laughs> in a really important way wow I'm I'm just taking a second to digest. That's that's really like that's such a, a profound way to look at it. Um, that we're we're not. How do I? Say, I don't even have to say this. I don't know that I probably can't say it better than you did. Uh, but yeah, there we're not we're not telling the story of them. We're telling the story of us. Absolutely. And it that historical context should inform the way that we approach life that we mm. approach nature that we approach mm. so we talked i had a conversation yesterday and this is this is just kind of an aside um with one I, again i chase rabbits it's yeah let's go what i do i had a conversation yesterday um with uh one of our students um just kind of standing outside the greenhouse as we were uh, about to head out for the day um we were talking about the the way that we approach um things like like where we build and where we live mm. and all of those things and and where where I live in the United States I'm um in Texas on like the southern great plains of the US so right at the southern tip of the great plains and all of our this is a very specific example but the the recharge that happens mm. for our aquifer comes through these playa lakes which are seasonal um seasonal bodies of water when it rains Rarely they fill up, uh, but then that water infiltrates heads down towards the aquifer eventually ends up, you know, as a groundwater source that we can use later, very slow, all that. But what we've done over the past hundred or so years that I guess modern civilization has now, there've been people on this land for hundreds Mm -hmm. and hundreds of years, but like 
modern civilization, we put Walmarts on them and we, uh, you know, work kind of. So a, a specific example, we have a playa lake, a big playa lake that's like right in the middle of town. And they put they literally put a Walmart on it. Uh, and then they couldn't figure out why every time it rained, there were there was two feet of water standing in that Walmart right. parking right. lot. Yeah. Because uh, we didn't look at the land in the way that our ancestors did. Hmm. Um, of, oh, hey, there, there's a depression. Maybe I don't want to build my house in the bottom of it. Um, we are a grassland. Another example is we, we are a grassland prairie up here. And so mm-hmm. um, grass fires and wildfires are, are part of, a, of the way of life, part of the natural cycle up here. You mm-hmm. know, they started by lightning, all that. And even the early, uh, uh, the indigenous peoples for sure knew how to deal with that, right? They knew how, how and where to build and where to live mm-hmm. and, and how to move ahead of these fires and all of those things and how to, how to live with the land. And even the early settlers, um, uh, European settlers that, that stopped in this area would build sod houses and like sod roof houses that were able to withstand these fires, and then now what we do is instead of trying to live with the land, we try to stop the fires. Mm-hmm. And then when they do happen, they're terrible. You know, yeah. there's so much fuel. There's all these things. And so I think the study of what all of that to say that very long mm-hmm. tangent, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, all of that to say is that the study of the way that our ancestors, ancestors approached nature and mm-hmm. food and life is meaningful because I think we have forgotten along the way, how to live with the land. Instead, we try to bend it to our will. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, this is what nature does, how do we, co- how do we live alongside it? Um, and, and I, so that it's, it's cool that y'all in a real sense, like wrap your hands around that and just get to see what our, uh, uh, our, our forebearers who should be us, we should still be them, um, how, how they live their lives. Yeah, and that's that is just really such a wonderful point, and it actually gives me the opportunity to give a shout out uh, to all the other paleontobotanists that could have been on this show that are doing equally wonderful research and are uh, also fantastic communicators. And I, I just want to mention some of them by name because I'm going to mention some research that actually touches upon that. And so that's uh, Catherine Chu, University of Alabama. Uh, Shanti Moral Hart um, at uh, McMaster and uh, Jade Dalpum Gwed at U- UCSD, uh, Rob Spengler uh, at Max Planck, uh, and so many more. There's so many people doing really fantastic work. And now I'm going to talk just really briefly to your point, Vic, which is such an important one about the kinds of things that we can actually learn from uh, studying archaeological plant remains. And at some point, I'm going to have to explain to the audience what they look like and how we get them because I'm I'm sure they're like, but wait a second, what are you looking at? You know, I I just, I think a lot about that scene in office space where they ask, well, what is it that you do here? Um, (laughs) Because I'm sure anybody could sit in front of a microscope and pretend, right? Oh yes. Yes. I'm hard at work, but there are actually things um, that we're looking at. But um, so I'm thinking here of uh, the work of, uh, Dr. Kent Lightfoot, Dr. Rob Cutrell, Dr. Chuck Striplin on uh, the San Francisco Bay Area looking at native land management by the Ohlone people uh, over the past several thousand years. And one of the things that they found 
is that the archaeological record shows very clearly that there was managed land burning over uh, cycles of several thousand years. Uh, so there's this deep, intimate knowledge, and we see this with most many folks around the world. Um, not all the time. Uh, and I think it's really important, too, that we don't romanticize people as well, sure. because we have to think about people as people who are making choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But these are folks who have just tremendous traditional ecological knowledge. Uh, and when we talk about, and th- this is this can be a sort of controversial topic, especially in conservation ecology or conservation biology. But when we talk about, um, you know, conserving a forest or conserving a grassland or conserving some uh, some environment, the question is to what time, right? Mm. And so, uh, very often the time that's picked is this like really the Pleistocene pre-peopling of uh, North America rather than thinking about this time in which people are actually very active ecosystem engineers um, and that the landscapes that they were managing were very much human-created ones, um, that they look, quote, pristine, uh, but in fact, these were um, uh, landscapes that had a a deep human imprint on them for specific reasons, for lots of reasons that um, Native folks today will, will happily tell uh, uh, people about in terms of why they were making the choices that they were making because of this sort of deep historical memory of these things. So like you said, you know, though that kind of, um, knowledge and that kind of input is so important. And we, we do see sort of the happy end of that story is that there are places like, uh, that, that research group that I mentioned, they have mm-hmm. been working with state parks and, um, other places and sort of, introducing, reintroducing those uh, practices with the um, uh, Amamutsun um, and in order to, to, um, to bring back uh, some of that land uh, management that has been happening for several thousands mm-hmm. uh, of years. So, so yeah, I, I think that that's a really important point. And uh, it's something that, again, part of the science of it is that we can show empirically, we can actually show, you know, yes, 3,000 years ago, this was happening, um, which is cool and exciting, uh, depending on, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think all three of us here find it cool and exciting or else we wouldn't be here. I definitely do. Yeah. It's always so interesting to see what they were doing in the past. You're like, how are they even doing this? That's, that's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I absolutely. Oh no, I think that's super exciting. <laughs> you know, I, I think that it's such a cool study and it's such a cool way to approach, um, again, just approach science and just to approach anthropology. Um, so I'm going to put a pin right here because again, I, we have a lot more to talk about and I think this is a good place to like stop episode one. And then <laughs> oh, so that episode two will come out in a couple of days. Oh, geez. Yeah. So uh, if you're listening, um, this is the end of the first episode. And uh, I think it, today's Tuesday. I don't know. Probably I'll release the next one on Friday. I, you know, the fun thing about this podcast thing is I can just do whatever I want. And so <laughs> uh, um, we will pick back up after the break I, you know i don't do breaks in the show i just you know this is not so this is new for me so i'm gonna ramble through this and it'll be fine I, my listeners at this point are used to me um so we'll pick back up uh on the on the next episode with 
um, some of what Alan was saying about what are they actually looking at? What are the the uh, nuts and bolts of that? As well as we'll hear some more from uh, Carlos and Lydia about you know maybe what they want to do with their careers and where they want to go, and um, we'll kind of try to tie this all up in a. Uh, a, a neat package that will still leave room for several more episodes. So uh, thanks for listening. Y'all are awesome. We will see you very soon. Yo, is it Friday yet? Is this new episode out yet? I can't wait. It's going to be so good. Uh, so thanks for listening today. I hope you are super excited like I am about Friday and part two of this great uh, series about archaeobotany that's going to come out. Again, thanks so much to Alan, Lydia, and Carlos for being on with me. Uh, thank you to the Texas Tech Department of Plant and Soil Science for all the support, for letting me do this the past year, and for just being a, a great encouragement and a great source of information and help as this uh, goes on. If you'd like to support the show, check out patreon.com slash planthropology. Join our other patrons in uh, supporting the show. Uh, so thanks so much to those of you who already support. Um, that's all. Get ready for Friday. I'll see y'all soon. And get ready for the trailers for the Varmints, Just the Zoo of Us, and Petri Dish podcasts that are just about to start. And don't forget to go vote. So get ready in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, my name's Paul, and I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I'm not an animal expert either. And together we do a podcast about animals called Varmints. Every week we pick an animal, do a bunch of research on it, and bring you some interesting facts about that animal. But we don't stop there. We talk about that animal in movies, TV, and other pop culture. And we talk about whether or not that animal would make a tasty dish, and how intelligent we think it is on the scale of 1 to 10. It's exactly like one of those fancy PBS nature documentaries... Except with more poo jokes. New episodes go live every Thursday wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Or you can visit us at blazingcariboustudios.com. <laughs> Varmints! Varmints! <laughs> hey there, new friends. This is Ellen Weatherford. Do you like animals? Do you enjoy arbitrarily rating things out of 10? Can you tolerate puns? If so, join me and my husband Christian over at Just the Zoo of Us for a weekly review of your favorite animal species. Just the Zoo of Us is available on Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast apps. You can find us at anchor.fm slash just the zoo of us. See you soon. Ich bin ein Science! Science! Cannabinoids! Genetics! Coronavirus! Dogs! This is Petri Dish. Science! Science! We're a science podcast exploring complex subjects with clarity and evil humor. Join the scientific revolution. Join Petri Dish, dropping every Monday on anchor.fm slash Petri Dish. Ha.